I just want you to know, I don't expect to win, you know, right away. I just don't expect that from you. So, okay. And he looked at me, <laughs> paused, stared a hole through me, <laughs> and said, Joe, we're going to win. <laughs> and I'm like going, oh my gosh. Hello, and welcome to the Dactronics Experience Podcast. I'm Justin Oxner here with Matt Anderson. Today, we're joined by Joe Irwin, chairman and lead owner of the Greenville Triumph Soccer Club. He's going to share his story, how he started a USL team from scratch in Greenville, his excitement for their stadium and fan experience, and much more. And we're here today with Joe Irwin. Joe, how are you doing? Doing great. Good to chat with you. And Matt Anderson's here as well. How are you doing, Matt? <laughs> I'm doing good, Justin. Thank you. Matt, hey, good to be with you. Yeah, I'm excited for a conversation today. I, You know, I am too. I am too. I, I appreciate the note you sent me down, and um, I, I'm really looking forward to talking with you. Um, Joe, just to give uh, our listeners a background, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you got to where you are today with the Greenville Triumph? Well, it starts with me being a little bit crazy um, because, you know, to launch a new uh, independently owned uh, League One uh, soccer club uh, in South Carolina seemed like a bit of a lark. But uh, as you guys are aware, uh, this this is um, perhaps the fastest growing professional sport in America. Mm -hmm. And USL is a huge uh, part of that at the championship level at League One now. Uh, League Two, and with the new, you know, coming next year, the the W League for women's teams. So when we started doing a little research into this, in I guess going back all the way to 2017, we were really intrigued because soccer is very popular regionally with uh, a lot of youth play for girls and boys mm -hmm. in the Greater Greenville market, and we just thought this is a, a missing element in our community for having a pro soccer team. And um, we dove in, um, trying to uh, swim, sometimes <laughs> treading water, and hoping not to sink. Right. Uh, but I will tell you, guys, it's going really well so far, and, and we're just excited about the future. And, um, and we worked with Dactronics, uh, which has been a pleasure, too, I might add. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've been kind of getting ready for the show today, Joe. I've listened to a couple of your interviews, right? And you, you with soccer kind of goes back to you playing as a kid as far as where the passion kind of came from for this, right? That's right. That's right. I was lucky enough to play soccer at, in high school on a team where I learned something really valuable, guys. I, I saw for the first time in my life what real, you know, diversity can bring to people mm -hmm. and to sports because when I played in my junior year, which was the first year that we had a team at my high school, okay. um, we were, you know, basically uh, as the starters go, we were 11 white guys <laughs> and we, we sucked. I mean, we just, <laughs> we weren't, we just weren't good. We were the worst team probably, you know, in South Carolina or one of the worst and that frustrated me, and I, I became the captain of the team. And so we did some stuff to recruit some guys with, you know, that were more athletic and that had the right skill sets for soccer. And then we got a break. Um, before my senior year, we got a, an exchange student from Argentina, Martin Maciel, 
and one from India, uh, Roy Banerjee or Rye Banerjee. Mm-hmm. And we went from being the worst team to being undefeated my senior oh, wow. year. Huh. And, and we had an African-Americans on the team. And, you know, you just realize this is what sport can do, mm-hmm. bringing people together from different cultures, different backgrounds and ethnicities. And guess what? We are all better for it. And that lesson never left me that, you know, that this sport is so great, all sports, mm-hmm. but soccer truly is the world game. And we live in kind of a, a world-class uh, place, very international town. You may know that uh, BMW has its North American uh, headquarters here. And uh, well, actually, it's manufacturing here, all, okay. all its U.S. manufacturing. And Michelin has its North American headquarters here. And the list goes on and on. So it's a very diverse population in Greater Greenville with international participation. And that plays well to soccer. So that's working in our favor. And I think it's one reason that our team, the Greenville Triumph, has been so nicely uh, welcomed into the community. Yeah, I was going to ask, Is did that experience and, and that diversity that you were talking about play into the club's philosophy at all? Absolutely. 100%. Um, We wanted to have a team that reflects the diversity of Greater Greenville. And we wanted to have a team philosophically that was about that culture of uh, being inclusive and, you know, understanding that everybody has value and that everybody should be treated with uh, respect Mm-hmm. And everybody should be treated with appreciation even. And to to showcase that in a professional sport, and, and soccer's a little different, say, than, you know, uh, lower division soccer is different than minor league baseball. And I love minor league baseball. Okay. Um, but we have players who stick around more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're in our third season of play, and our best players – um, well, our best, uh, we, we got a couple of you guys who are really outstanding, uh-huh. but some of our key players for sure are guys that have been with us now in, into their third year. Uh-huh. So the com- folks in the community really get to know these individuals rather than see them play for just one season and then move on to another team mm-hmm. in a minor league systems pipeline. So, you know, for that reason, too, I think the community feels like Triumph is really part of the community, very ingrained in the community. And and folks get it that they come out to matches and they see people from different countries and cultures and they see people, you know, guys who get along great and who have a wonderful chemistry that you can see and that you can feel. And and part of that is it's not just accidental, and it's not just that there's diversity. It's also that we, you know, when we recruit players, we're looking for guys who embrace that culture of treating people with respect, being ambassadors in the community. And I, I, I dare say, you know, my wife and I going into our first year by the end of the season – uh, we said, you know what? This has been an incredible journey already. We feel like we've got 22 new sons in our family. Oh, <laughs> you know, I mean, we had such great affection and still do for the players because they, we've just 
insisted on finding guys that are really quality people. Yeah, I like that analogy because we've had some GMs of minor league teams here on the podcast as well. And when we talk to them, you know, to your point, they do have players that move around a lot. So they kind of do focus on that. Hey, what can we do during the game to help entertain people? Because they may not know who's playing first base today, et cetera. So I can definitely see when you have people coming back two, three years every time, that's got to help build a, a good community there for everyone. Yeah, I, no doubt, and, and I had some real experience uh, in marketing. My background is marketing and advertising, and mm-hmm. one of my clients was the minor league baseball team in town. And you, you're so right. You just nailed it, and that's what every owner of a minor league franchise you know, must deal with to be successful. You've got to market more the, just the experience and having fun, you know, a good time at the ballpark, so to speak, mm-hmm. because the pe- people aren't going to know the players uh, that well they move on too fast and and plus baseball is just a different sport right yeah, i mean yeah. you go to minor league baseball games and even major league baseball games in some cases and it's not so much about being you know in the stadium to watch the baseball game mm-hmm. it's about sharing and you know that collective experience of just having a good time soccer we we offer that we emphasize that but the difference is with professional soccer, people get into the stadium, they're not going anywhere. They're not walking around. They are there to cheer, and they are rabid fans. Right. And it might be a difference between sports. Like you mentioned, in, in baseball, there's breaks every quarter or every half inning, right? And where yeah. soccer, the, the clock's running. It's a running <laughs> clock for two halves, right? There's, there's not a huge break in the action. It is, and it's it's breathless. I was talking to a guy yesterday who was talking about, yeah, he goes, I'm sure soccer's exciting, but yeah, except for when you get those zero-zero ties. And I'm going, dude, you had not been to one of our soccer games, because there are times when a zero-zero tie will leave you breathless with all the action. And I'm thinking about at the beginning here, too, when you said you might be a little crazy um, having started this up. Could you please give us kind of a uh, – you know, what it was like creating a brand new team from scratch and going through all that process. Cause I'm also very curious because of your big marketing and advertising background, there's the business side, but then there's promoting and, and building this thing from the ground up and what that was like. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. You know, um, I think there's a ride at Disney world. Um, a big Disney guy uh, called Mr. Toad's wild ride. Uh-huh, yeah. uh, so, so this thing is kind of Mr. Toad's wild ride. <laughs> this starting a, a, a soccer club from nothing and building a brand. Um, but I'll tell you, it is so much fun and it, it takes a lot of money to be perfectly honest. Um, at the end of the first year, I'm looking at the investment we've made going, I don't know if I'm going to get that back. And my wife reminds me, you, you've made some money. You, did, you We've done okay. And she was a partner in okay. the company, the ad agency we created. So it's she was more than 50% of the brain power. <laughs> and uh, she said, well, how, how much money are we going to lose with pro soccer? And I said, well, <laughs> hang on, ask me in another year, and, and we'll see. And, and not to be too flip about it, it does require investment. It requires patience, but getting smarter all along the way to where you get more efficient and you learn what will work, what won't work, what you want to do more of, do less of. That is, you know, isn't that true of any startup? You know, we read about startups, whether it's in Silicon Valley or in South Dakota, startups typically, almost 
without exception, they don't make money in their first year. Right. And for me, fellas, to be perfectly honest, this isn't about money anyway. I don't care if Greenville Triumph uh, don't become a lucrative business. That's not why we started this thing. We started it to create and spread joy. That's how I measure if we're succeeding or not. And, you know, quality of play on the field, winning championships, that's nowhere in our mission statement. Mm, Although right. I do like to win. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me emphasize that. Right. Um, so, you know, the, 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 I guess the direct answer to your question is just, it's an exhausting but thrilling journey of creating the brand and going through the exercise of the graphics and building it. Will this work? Will, will that not work? And um, But then you introduce it and you hang on and wait with bated breath. Are the fans going to like it or are they going to crush <laughs> us? You know, in the world of social media, you know, the feedback is fairly instantaneous, yep. as you guys know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then and you've talked about building the the team and the brand and, and getting people interested, but there's also these other details about where am I going to play and what's that, that stadium going to look like? And can you tell us about that process and how you decided on a place to play? Yeah, that process was, was crazy fun. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we start looking around. We've made our representations and presentations to USL leadership mm -hmm. and we're awarded a franchise and they go, okay, clock's ticking. Um, you got to be ready to, you know, launch play in 2019. So we had about a year and we start looking at fields and realizing that, oops, we, we've got an issue here. <laughs> there are very few fields that have a pitch um, that could be, you know, FIFA certified okay. or the U S soccer federation certified and approved. And, you know, which we ended up looking at guys were included a bunch of football fields at stadiums around the region because football is so much more prevalent, of mm -hmm. course. Um, and, and that's typically the basis for a soccer pitch is you're, you know, using it multiple ways, but a lot of those fields for football are crowned in the middle. You, know, well, you can't play okay. soccer on wow. a, field that has a crown that looks like Mount Everest from the <laughs> sideline, the touchline, right. you know, kicking a ball up, up, you know, uphill or downhill. So we had to rule that out and find a flat field and there are less of them. And then you, a lot of them are the wrong dimension. And if there are walls on either side, you, you start eliminating one, two, three, that would no, 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 no. And my son, Doug, who's our chief brand officer and does a great job he came into my office one day, and he's got a laptop, and he goes, look at this. And it's from Google Earth, an aerial shot of a soccer pitch, and it is beautiful. And I'm going, where the heck is that? How have we missed it? And he said, well, it's on the west side of town, and it's at a charter school, and we need to go check it out. Long story short, fellas, we checked it out. This was the one place where they didn't build a football field. It okay. is strictly a soccer field. And it met all the you know, requirements for the soccer federation. And I started talking to the gentleman who uh, started the charter school, who's a fellow I knew, and saying, do you think we might find a way to partner together? And that's what we did. Now, he, here's the rub, by the way. 
the the stadium, there was no stadium. It was a field, and it had two of those. If you think back to your high school days or little league <laughs> yeah. baseball days, those little portable bleacher things, <laughs> yeah, okay. that two of those might seat a hundred people. Yeah, the parents. That was the totality <laughs> of the seating at what is now our stadium. Oh man! Well, obviously, in USL soccer, at any level, you got to have more than a hundred seats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Especially so if you're trying to build we a following. engaged. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You hope you need more than a hundred seats, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> because then you want to talk about losing money. Oh, <laughs> <Right>. Boy. <laughs> uh, so we engaged a company, and and I can't say enough good things about them. Seating Solutions, now part of In Production, uh, who are the leaders in uh, building um, modular stadiums uh, okay. for temporary to permanent use. Even if you look at golf tournaments on television and stuff, you see a lot of that temporary seating that goes up just for the tournament right. and comes back down. A lot of that is from that company. And tennis, uh, same same way. There are different tennis uh, tournaments around the country uh, that will go from having no seating to having thousands of seats for a week-long tournament. So we talked with them. Uh, long story short, uh, they built our stadium, which has uh, a little over 4,000 seats around this um, U.S. Soccer Federation-approved turf, and uh, they already had lights in place. They didn't have a scoreboard. Mm. So we had to get a scoreboard, and we said, tell you what, in lieu of some rent, when we leave, because they knew that the goal was for this to be our temporary home until we could build something, um, we said, we'll leave this scoreboard um, because it's, it's not dirt cheap. The reason they didn't have one, in fact, was because, you know, it's a school, and they kind of ran out of money mm-hmm. after putting in this very expensive synthetic uh, turf system. And we said, well, that's where we can help you. So uh, the scoreboard that we have at the stadium, uh, that will be theirs when we leave there, and they're they're excited about that. No, well, this is awesome, because this is another reason why I like doing this podcast, because you get to learn so many things like this. There's Because that was something I had on my, on my mind was, what are some of those, you know, check boxes you have to mark to make sure that it's certified for your league, right? Because I think about some of our NFL customers, the Vikings came to mind when they mm-hmm. had to go to TCF Bank for a while. It was, okay, upgrades yeah. have to happen here in order for this to be certified by the NFL. But then the university was fine with it because when they left, they got to keep the upgrades that right. were made to the stadium too. So that kind of reminded me of your story there. It's oh, like, yeah. It's like you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, <laughs> or, or a, a commonality well, of, of we both benefit from this, yes. right? Oh, yeah, Matt, Josh, you nailed it. I mean, that's exactly what it is. And, and you know, it's going on in Major League Baseball right now, or it did with, uh, um, uh, not Montreal, Toronto, uh, playing their games down in Buffalo uh, for the first part of the season. You know, they had to go into a stadium where upgrades had to be made. So there was a, yeah, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. And we've worked wonderfully with this school, Legacy Early College, is the name of the school, and mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a wonderful school. It serves uh, a community where a lot of the kids, um, you know, didn't have a pathway to college. Um, you know, they, they are part of free lunch, free breakfast programs, and since this school was built uh, in this area of town where historically about uh, 90% of the young children would not ever graduate uh, from high school or go to a college, now at Legacy Early College, 
over 90% of them graduate high school and wow. will go to a four-year college. It's an astounding story. That's awesome. And so to be partnered with them or, or to share with them and to help them and they're helping us, that's, that's just a beautiful you know, win-win proposition. And it makes sense for the beautiful game, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's another <laughs> uh, you know, kind of soccer thing. Uh, we're all in this to make the world just a little bit better. Yeah. And so kind of going then um, building on when you said, all right, we'll help you out with the with the scoring equipment and things like that. Um, so that's kind of like, I guess, like how we got to know each other right through Dactronics and everything. Um, yeah. When you start to look at, though, at adding LED elements, whether it was, you know, pitch perimeter displays or these scoreboards, um, what was that like? How did you start uh, going through that process? Yeah, well, for me, it's, it started with who do I know in that space? What companies have I heard of? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, the first one I knew about and that I knew that had a great reputation was Dactronics. Mm-hmm. And I, I forget who on the staff that I asked, hey, would you reach out to Dactronics and see if they would be interested in working with this? I don't know if this is... Uh, you know, beneath them or what, you know, you don't, you don't want to assume anything. Right. I, I don't, even though I knew the Dactronics name, um, I knew it more from, you know, professional sports and okay. from nearby Clemson university where I went to school and Dactronics has done uh, a lot of tremendous work on the Clemson campus, mm-hmm. but I didn't know would, would they be interested in even, you know, working with us. And, you know, my guy comes back to me and said, yeah, uh, there's a representative out of Atlanta uh, and they would love the opportunity uh, to speak with uh, you, Joe, and learn more about Triumph. Mm-hmm. And that's how it all started. Okay. That's awesome. And, I, and I'm always curious because Justin and I here are also in marketing too, Joe. So it's like, I'm always curious when we talk to people of that, how did you hear people? Like, how did you hear the word electronics <laughs> right, before right. come about the company at all? So that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys know, I, I, I'm not sure exactly how long you've been with the firm, but one thing I'm sure that you're both proud of is you're, you're part of a, a company and a brand that's got uh, a lot of proof points and has been a market leader and everybody associates with, well, you know, you, you can go look at a lot of companies and there are a lot of good ones, mm-hmm. but if you don't look at Dactronics, um, you know, you're, you, you're probably missing out on something. Yeah, for fourteen years for me, it'll be actually be that's fourteen and a half ish, I yeah. guess. But we we've both been here for about fourteen years. We were hired about three <laughs> months apart. So interesting. Well, and that's, I'm glad we're talking, guys, because I talked to some of the, you know the folks that you work for within Dactronics, and they think you know fourteen years is about long enough for you guys, and <laughs> you know. I don't want to be telling you anything you hadn't heard yet, but uh, oh man, this is happening my, now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you might want to dust off the resume, fellas. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, so, so you had mentioned that the that trunks was thrown around um, as kind of who to go with, then, and then you said there's other good companies out there. Did you ever get to a point where you tried, you know? line us up with other competitors and kind of how did you pick or what were like the main reasons you chose that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, to be perfectly honest, I think this, this was year one, right? Right. And we are, we are sprinting when we'd like to be marathoning. Um, but we're sprinting marathon distance because we've got so much to get done and the time, you know, time was ticking. Yeah. So it was honestly a situation where, 
I look at this firm. They're interested in working with us. I know they're credible. If they're willing to work with us in a way that we can make it work financially, then let's just go. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. shopping around is great when you have time and, and, and it makes more sense. It didn't make a lot of sense for us in 2018. So, yeah, we called Dactronics and we started working together and getting to know the people. Glenn Martz out of the Atlanta oh, yep. office, I believe Glenn's out of Atlanta. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, tremendous uh, guy to work with. And, you know, we just um, decided what we wanted, priced it out asked for the most help financially on the pricing that we could get. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there are times when you don't have a lot of leverage in life. (laughs) (laughs) This this was one of those times. In fact, I I remember our our president, Chris Lewis, said, Joe, what's what's the budget for year one? And I said, there's no budget. (laughs) "There's, there's, There's nothing to budget against. One, it's year one. And I said, in fact, let's quit calling it year one. It's year zero. Okay. We're trying to get a club together, stadium functional and everything, and we're not even able to sell a ticket to a game. This is year zero, and there's no budget. We spend what we must spend mm-hmm. so that when we start play, we've got a place that is credible, that's comfortable, where people can see well, and the electronics are a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer personally in that that heightens the experience so much of what you see electronically and what you hear audibly. It, you know, this is a show. Mm-hmm. It's not just a sporting event. It's a show. Right. And people want to participate in the show, be a part of it. Uh, otherwise, we'd stay home and watch every single darn thing on television. <laughs> yeah, right. But when you're in a stadium... You're part of the show, and we it's up to us to make it the best show we can afford to make it. And and I thought what we had to offer in year one – well, I'll tell you this, guys, Matt, Josh, I, I think, and I could be wrong, of the independent teams in League One, and that represents the majority of League One, I think we were the only team to make the investment in LED field boards. Okay. Oh, okay. Why? Because I'd watched enough soccer on TV – and, you know, and I am, I'm just such a geek for all the, you know, <laughs> the LED and the lights and the whistles and everything. And I'd watch soccer and go, look at those boards running around the pitch, running around the field, and they animate and all kinds of cool stuff. I want some of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, to- I told our guys, I-, I want LED field boards around every centimeter of the field. And my, my own guys are looking at me like, Joe, you you can't afford that. You don't want that. <laughs> and and I've got my son. You talk about you know humbling. My son Doug is going, Dad. Uh, I don't think so. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> and and in fact, the more I listen to them fellows, eighty percent, eighty five percent of our seating is all on one side of the stadium, one side plus uh, behind the goal where our uh, Reedy River Riot supporter section is. Okay. And they, you know, what they impressed upon me is, you know, what we want is for all those people to see the LED mm-hmm. because that's, you know, it's where virtually everybody is. Right. And that will save us about 50% of the cost of doing the entire stadium. So in a rare moment of, you know, being conservative, I said, okay, okay, <laughs> we'll just do half the field year one. But I said, but I'm telling you guys, 
we're going to get to a point where I'm going to want to see LED running around the whole thing because it just, it's to me, it's about one of the coolest things in all of sports, those right. LED field boards. And when you were working with Dactronics to, to get all the technology, you got the video display and, and those um, the, the pitch perimeter displays. Was there a different process for, for the pitch perimeter displays to, to help you um, make those affordable? Yeah. Yeah, um, this is another area where Dactronics, um, you know, proved something to me because, you know, the, the choice was, um, you know, cash outlay and, and, and you know, you know, the old expression cash is king. And mm-hmm. when you're starting out and it's um, and it's, you know, we don't have tons of cash, we've got to be conservative to a degree, um, the lease program uh, was something that my guys wanted to look at and that I wanted to look at. And when we saw the terms of it and realized, hey, this allows us to get into one of the highest quality products in the field, in the United States and beyond, um, and have something that will be, it's not about being the envy. I started to use that that combination of words, Mm -hmm. but it will allow us to look clearly professional. Mm -hmm. And that to me really matters. You know, if you're a professional sport, look professional. And so to be able to do that with a lease program that is very affordable, then that, you know, that got my attention. And I think all of us, uh, you know, all the front office guys who really run the club day to day um, made made it work. And uh, again, Dactronics was good to work with, found the terms to be very reasonable. And I got to think with, again, I think I've said because of your marketing background probably three times already yeah, in, this, probably. in this discussion, but looking <laughs> no, at... Keep, keep, <laughs> you're okay? keep saying it over and over again. I love hearing it. Because, you know, if you're not good at many things, you like hearing about the one thing you're fairly good at. <laughs> so with you being a marketing savant and all... Um, so <laughs> did, you, uh, did you look at these field displays then as a way too, right, of like, there's going to be a lot of eyes on this. I can use this to perhaps do some advertising revenue and things like that off oh, of it? 100%. You know, it's, um, it, it, people look at the, the cost as an expense. You know, what I reminded everybody, let's, let's turn that as, as we should and as other people know, and, and we all know now. Mm-hmm. That's look, look at it as an investment yeah. because the revenue that it can help us produce um, – over time, when we get good at selling it, um, and when the community starts to figure out who we are and that we're legitimate and that, hey, this is a fun event to go to, and fans grow and grow and grow in numbers, and we get a local linear TV deal to go with our ESPN Plus uh, streaming product, which mm-hmm. is outstanding, mm-hmm. um, then we'll sell that space. And it'll more than pay for the cost of the LED boards, you know, lease over time. And we are now seeing that, fellas. Right. You got to you gotta view it as an investment and, and know that you can earn more with that earning potential or potential mm-hmm. ROI based on that investment. Um, yeah, 100%. And in fact, I'll tell you something funny. You, you guys will get a kick out of this, uh, this since you're long-term Dactronics guys, we uh-huh. we are right now, up. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, far, well, we yeah, for for another two weeks. Yeah, um, okay, yeah. but yeah, but I'm looking at some stadiums uh, around USL, some new stadiums, either in production, being built, or on the you know scheduled to be built, or just finished. 
And one of the ones that really caught my attention and my fancy, as they say in England, uh-huh. um, is Lynn Family Stadium in Louisville, okay. where Dactronics has done all the electronic work. That, I don't know what you guys use, you know, use as a term in the old days. We talked about those video boards, the big ones, the scoreboards as big a jumbotron. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. If, I don't know if that's the nomenclature now, but I know this: <laughs> that thing in Louisville is jumbo. Yeah. Good. And now I've got now I've got envy. You know, I've got scoreboard envy, and want to have something like that when we build a new stadium. If we're lucky enough, you know, knock on wood, we're working on a stadium initiative. Mm-hmm. I want something that is like that. It may not be quite as big because, you know, I'll probably hear that, oh, yeah, that's, you know, $1.8 billion. And I know better because Dactronics is too good of a deal for that. (laughs) That's what one of my questions is going to be for you too, is that, you know, going through this experience with this, with the stadium you're in now, knowing that you're looking ahead at something else further down the road was kind of, are are you going to get that pitch perimeter completely around this time? Or were there any kind of things that you're, already eyeing that, okay, the next time I'm going to want this or this or this? Well, well this much I can tell you guys, uh, Matt, Josh, I, I may not get everything I want, but you can you can bet now, or we can make a bet now, and if I lose, I'll come to South Dakota and pay you in person. <laughs> because our stadium, when we build a stadium, if we, if we do, it is going to absolutely have field boards all the way around. There you go. <laughs> and and I dare anybody here to try and talk me out of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, so knowing that you've got... Oh, go ahead. Guys, I might even do this. I might even do it, you know, because you talk about 360 degrees. And you say, yeah, but you got to cut out space for the benches, for the players. <laughs> you know, they got to run on the field. And for the fourth official stand and all that, I'm thinking, you know what? They can learn to jump over the field boards. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're great athletes. Yeah, and go. if the fourth official is not a great athlete, that's on him or her. <laughs> you know, deal with it. I'm getting what I want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so knowing that you put everything together in, in, uh, like you said, this kind of short amount of time and you got everything ready for season zero, as you put it, um, how did everything kind of go that first season after you got everything put together for the, the first few games? It went great. You know, uh, one of the big surprises, I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, John Harks is our head coach and sporting director. And you may know that name. John is, um, he's, he's an iconic figure in American soccer. Okay. Yeah, he's, he's from uh, Kearney, New Jersey, uh, played collegiately at the University of Virginia um, when I think they won the national championship his senior year. If not, you know, they were one of the great college teams while he was there. And then he goes on and has an incredible career playing major league soccer, but, but also going to England and being the first uh, American player uh, to play in the English Premier League and the first American player ever to score a goal at Wembley Stadium, oh, which wow. is a cool story unto itself. Yeah. And, I, and I remember saying to John when, we, when he came aboard and joined us, which was, boy, it was humbling but exciting that he would think enough of what we were trying to do culturally um, and quality-wise that he wanted to be a part of it. And and we had an advantage, by the way, because his daughter was playing 
collegiate soccer at Clemson University, which is 30 miles from here. Okay. And uh, I thought, all right, we got him right where we want him. Time to go get it. So John joins the team. He's brand new. I don't know him well. In fact, I hardly know him at all. I had to look up highlights of him to remember his career. And, um, and I'm in a room with him one-on-one for the first time. And I said, John, I want you to understand something. I know that we're a first-year team and that we're independent, whereas some of the teams are owned by Major League Soccer and they can send players down and, you know, and all that. So I just want you to know I don't expect to win, you know, right away. I just don't expect that from you. So, okay. And he looked at me, <laughs> paused, stared a hole through me, oh, man. and said, Joe, we're going to win. <laughs> and I'm like going, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I'm like scooting back in my chair going, oh, I don't think I should have said that. <laughs> and that's, that's the kind of confidence that John had in his ability and, and what he knew about the league, the ability to go get free agents and build a good team quickly. Because your question was, how, how did it go that first year? Well, it went great. We played for the championship in our first year play against a team owned by a major league soccer franchise, the team in Dallas. Okay. Uh, Played in Frisco where, you know, uh, Dallas uh, major league soccer Mm -hmm. uh, club plays their games. And we lost, I think by, well, I I don't remember the scores either two to one or one to nothing, but you know, it's heartbreaker, but that told me um, we're, we're, we're good and we're going to be good next year. and, And we were, but the, 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 full answer to your question is the entire year was a success story because the fans came out. We created that kind of customer experience um, that fans said, man, this is really fun. It may be a temporary stadium on a school campus, but this is a rocking happening kind of place. And the LED boards were a part of that and the scoreboard and the sound system, you know, high quality. That was from Dactronics as well. And, you know, it just it reinforced for me what I believe in my heart and mind that give people a great experience, add to it a level of service uh, that is Disney-like in quality. Okay. okay. And, you know, and that's just, that is a mental thing. I mean, it's look people in the eye, greet them when they come into the stadium, find somebody having a problem and go solve it, help them. You know, you add all that together, and we created a first year that um, that corporate sponsors saw um, and said, hey, we had to sit back and watch year one. We weren't sure if this was a real thing. Our sponsorship, uh, guys, uh, this year, we have grown the numbers of sponsors from 18 corporate partners our first year. Mm-hmm. Now it's 90. Holy Whoa. cow. And we're not even halfway through our third year. Jeez. That's because you're and the best marketing the person math, ever was. Like a, yeah, that's like a 460% increase. And yeah. if I could do that well with my investments, I'd be doing really well. <laughs> uh, so that, that just shows you what you all know at Dactronics and what I know is create the right you know, background, create the, the look, the feel, do all those things right, and you will be rewarded. 
we always say that first year is always interesting to hear from customers because right. I mean the growth you had is is another example of even sometimes people use their boards different from the first year because they're trying to just not crash the ship mm-hmm. and they're trying to get through the year. Then they have a year off to think or off season to think about what they're going to do differently. And it definitely seems like you've you've increased sponsorships <laughs> with this because it reminds me I can't remember what the school was, but they there was a first year they had little LED displays on the outside and they called them ad bait. So that first year they didn't put any any advertisements on it at all. It was all school promotional, bookstore, all that stuff. And they the amount of people that came by and saw it during game time, kind of like what you're saying, like the sponsors saw it during the events or them coming in, they're like they started asking. Instead of them going out trying to find people, they end up having this influx of people asking for them to sell them ad space. It's kind of backwards they said, but it was awesome. Yeah. I, I, I totally believe it. it it's it's funny. Uh one of the things that we have to sell in this sport that's so wonderful for families with young children and really anybody is come to come take in a pro soccer game, come see a triumph match. Mm -hmm. And what you see is action from the beginning whistle to the very end. Um, It's thrilling. The quality of the play. That was the one thing guys, just quick aside. When I saw the caliber of athletes and players in our first year, I was like, holy cow. <laughs> I mean, I've been around high-level soccer and, and saw Clemson win national championships and all, and, and they've got a great program even now, uh, both the women's side and the men's side. But these guys um, in, at the pro game, even in the third division here uh, with Greenville Triumph, they are amazing athletes and players. Mm-hmm. And so fans recognize that. And if you, you know, add to it those extra things, you know, the LED, and I, I just wish now that the one thing we sell, which is you come to the game, it's over in two hours. You can do other <laughs> things. Hell, now I wish it was three hours <laughs> so we could program more advertising into those LED boards. <laughs> right. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and is there anything you're still kind of looking forward to yet this season with, with what's going on at, at the stadium there? Yes, absolutely. I'm looking forward to opening up the stadium to full seating capacity. You know, because of COVID, we opened this year with, um, you know, kind of the the order of the day from the governor's office to uh, be at uh, no more than 50%. Mm. Uh, So, you know, we definitely want to follow what is asked of us Mm -hmm. and ensure everybody's health. That comes first. Right. Um, so we followed that and put in a you know set of protocols that were really rigorous, um, but people did see when they came out um, that they were well taken care of, the sanitation, the number of hand wash plates, all those things. And we did uh, make masks mandatory early in the season uh, before COVID started to calm down. Mm-hmm. And now, for the first time in uh, this year, um, tomorrow night, our match against uh, North Carolina FC will be at 100% capacity. So if you ask me if there's something else uh, this year that I'm excited about, I can't wait for tomorrow night. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that, that will be exciting. It's always great to, you know, like you said, you just have to follow those re- um, restrictions that are in place to make sure everybody's healthy. It's, it's we have to do these certain things so that the people that do come can enjoy a game and we can have that season and, and continue, like you were saying, to bring that joy to, to upstate, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, here was another thing, you know, COVID um, as hard as it is, and it is on so many fronts, 
it also taught valuable lessons. It, it taught us more about taking care of our fans and, and, and doing everything we can do to ensure a good, healthy experience, not just a good, fun experience mm-hmm. uh, for them. And it also um, made trying to find that TV partner who would broadcast all of our games on free local TV with a signal that would reach the entire viewing area. You know, this is the 35th largest TV market in the United States, uh, you know, right behind uh, Cincinnati or mm-hmm. right behind Louisville, I think, maybe ahead of Cincinnati. Um, and so it's a good-sized TV market. I thought if we can just get a TV partner, and we did with uh, the, the CW station, CW62, YCW, here in the upstate, and they now televised not every single game because they had some deals already cut, uh, but about, I think about 85% of our games are on free television. So think about this. In the earliest days of COVID, going back into last season, uh, when there what were no fans, you know, we played our game with zero fans. Mm-hmm. You talk about expensive. <laughs> but having that local TV partner allowed us to keep building the brand. Mm-hmm. And it allowed fans to keep seeing the product and getting familiar with the players and Coach Harks and just everything we were trying to do um, to create and spread joy. And I think that that was huge for us last year and, you know, and again this year. And so you start to combine all these things, television, LED, you know, on the field. And that's why, you know, I, I joke about it a little bit. But when we build a new stadium, if we, again, if it's, there's no done deal right now. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. But if we do, then I'm going to be just diving in as, as hard as I can uh, for as much LED as possible. Because I just think it, it creates the sensory experience and sound, too. It's, it's all about sight and sound. Right. Yep. Um, that just adds to an experience. I, I, you got you got goosebumps on my arm, guys. I, I want to go. I want to go launch this stadium tomorrow. There you go. In our unbiased opinion, we we 100 percent agree with your thoughts. There. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Well, with that unbiased opinion, maybe you won't have to dust off the resume quite so soon. There we go. <laughs> totally redeemed ourselves. I was, was going to say you don't have yeah. to uh, wait to come up here to pay us if you don't get that full 360 uh, ribbon around the around the field level there, but. When that stadium um, get closer, that definitely come back up to South Dakota. Because I don't know, and have you I, ever been up I, here, or have you? No, okay. no. It's funny you would ask because um, as I was, you know, knowing that we were going to have this conversation today, I was looking um, at you all and Steve, and just seeing, you know, where are these guys? And, and I'm looking. <laughs> okay, they're up in South Dakota. Yeah, that's one of the few states in the country that I've never visited, and I'm I'm reading about. Uh, I'm looking at Sioux Falls, and I'm going, this is a heck of a place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm going, uh, put me on the next plane. I mean, aren't all of us eager to get out and go somewhere? I think yeah. I want to go to South Dakota. <laughs> there you go. You let us know when you want to come up here, and we'll host you for a visit. There you go. I hear you. Well, I tell you what, that all kidding aside, I, I really was, um, and, and I don't know about the dynamics of the town you guys are in right now, but I'm reading about Sioux Falls, and I'm going, man, this is a really healthy, vigorous town and market. Uh, I'm thinking a USL League One team here 
would be a great idea. Oh, there you go. There it is. It is is definitely getting, uh, it's growing, obviously, but it just seems like, again, we talked earlier, it's not too far away from where Justin and I are in Brookings here, but Sioux Falls is definitely getting a lot more, let's say like national tournaments. And we had this weird growth during kind of the, the last part of last year from COVID of people coming out here because we, we always joke that we naturally socially distance in South Dakota. <laughs> right. So when people had to get away yeah. from crowded areas, they were, they were coming out here a lot because <laughs> there's a lot of room out here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and just from what I saw last night, looking at some videos of Sioux Falls, for example, I mean, it looks like the type of town that would do really well with pro soccer mm-hmm. because you, it looks to have a great food scene, great you know, kind of experiential tourism mm-hmm. with paddling and you know biking and hiking and all that stuff. That's very much, if, if you guys look up Greenville and see what this community is all about, um, that's a huge part of our you know, local environment is, is kind of that, what I call eco-tourism or environmental stuff because we're at the foothills of the mountains, a lot of lakes and streams all over the place here. And the soccer fans, pro soccer fans, are the kind of folks who enjoy that lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, you give them a place to paddle or walk or run or bike and a couple of crap uh, breweries, uh, okay. Or thirty or a hundred, and they're good to go. I'm sold. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You're you're getting us to want to come visit you down there. You can come visit us up here. It'll be great. Yeah. Well, see, that's the way we get to see each other. Uh, we get a team in Sioux Falls, and um, I'd, I'd be up there twice a year to see my triumph play. There we go. We'll we'll put that on the list of things to look out for. But yeah. first, we want to thank you again for coming on and sharing all of this information. It's been great to talk to you here about the Greenville Triumph and, and everything you're doing there with your video displays. And, and really, good luck tomorrow night, too. Well, thanks, fellas. It, it's great to meet you by phone, and I wish you all the best. And, and I hope you do survive to your 15th anniversary of Stat <laughs> Oh, thank you. <laughs> thanks, Joe. I'm going to send you a message on LinkedIn as soon as I do in January. Thanks. <laughs> Sounds great, uh, fellas. Have a great day. Right, yep, you, you too. too. Thanks. thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Dectronics Experience Podcast. Please subscribe at your favorite place to listen to podcasts to keep up with our latest episodes.